Well, good morning again. Um, as a church, we are coming off of a powerful Easter weekend. We had 600 people um, come and join us for Easter Sunday services, which for us, we've never had, yeah, we've never had that before. And I, I think what happened here on Good Friday may have been even more significant, what God was doing in individual lives as they were really focusing in on the sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf. So we are coming off of a powerful weekend. And many of us, regardless of how we came into Easter weekend, we're coming away wanting to take steps forward with our faith. Many of us are at a place where we're like, okay, God, this is it. I surrender all to you, all to you. Now, what does that mean? And what does that look like in our lives? Well, that's the purpose of the series that we're going to start today. We have a brand new series we're going to start today, and it's all about that. It's all about how can each of us, regardless of where we're at today, how can each of us get on a path where we can really walk forward in our faith? And we can experience a richer and deeper and more meaningful walk with our God. That's what this series is about. It's about looking at scriptures that are going to help us with that. And it's going to be looking at some tools that so many of us have found very, very helpful for that. Well, the scriptures we're going to look at are going to be in the book of Ephesians. We may come out of Ephesians once in a while, but we're going to really focus on the book of Ephesians. And if you've been with us for the last seven weeks, we have been looking at which book? Romans. I'm glad you could answer that question or I would have felt like a failure as a pastor. Yes, we've been looking at the book of Romans. Ephesians is a natural progression from that in so many ways. The book of Ephesians shares a whole lot of themes that really build on one another. Ephesians came about five years after Romans. Ephesians was written by the same man, the apostle Paul, who wrote Romans. And Paul wrote Ephesians as a prisoner in Rome. So there's a lot of tie-ins between Ephesians and Romans. And there's more than just a Romans connection here. There's also an Easter connection. I want you to take a look at a prayer that Paul prays over the church in Ephesus in chapter 1. Take a look at this. This is a prayer from Ephesians chapter 1. So very early into this letter, Paul is praying this prayer over the Ephesians. And this prayer speaks so much to what we experience on Easter. Paul writes, May you know the riches of his glorious inheritance, the immeasurable greatness and power toward those of us who believe, the power of his great might that was at work in the what? The resurrection of Christ. When he was raised from the dead and seated at God's right hand, far above all rule and authority, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. What Paul does here and elsewhere is he links the, the power that was exhibited as God raised Christ from the dead. He's, he's linking that power to what we can experience. And, and he's linking this death that Jesus experienced and the resurrection that Jesus experienced to what can happen in us. That we who were once dead can be made alive. This is a big prayer. A big prayer. God, Paul's big prayers for God's chosen people continue throughout his letter. Here's another example. This one is from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. Here's another one of these big prayers. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, that according to the riches of his glory, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. If you ever heard any person try to explain 
Christianity like kind of like letting Jesus at your heart, I think that's maybe where some of that language might come from, this idea of Christ dwelling in our beings through faith, that you may have the strength to comprehend the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and the love of Christ that surpasses even knowledge, that you may be, look at this phrase, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Hallelujah. How many of you would like to be filled with the fullness of God? Isn't that why we wanted to take a step forward? Isn't this why we said, I will surrender all to you? Isn't this why we said, God, whatever you have for me, I'll go? Because there's a hopeful expectation on our part that, that this won't be a religion, that there's more to it than that. And this is, this is really connecting with our creator. It's about living out the destiny that he has for us. It's, it's all of these things. So... How do we get from where we are now to where we could be by God's grace in his power? How can we experience more of that life-giving power that raised Christ from the dead? Well, here's where it gets a little tricky. Because let's say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the best practices route. You know, I'm going to look for, for my outliers. I'm going I'm to look and identify people who are really seem to be experiencing something real. So I'm going to identify people who are professing Christians who seem to have the fullness of God being developed in them. And you could go to nine of them, and you could ask all nine, okay, what works? How do I do this? What is the best practice for getting from where I am to where you are? What do I do? And you might ask nine different Christians, and you might get nine different answers. Here, here are some answers that you might get. Some people might say, well, what you need to do, fill your senses with the glory of God. Engage your, your eyes and your ears, you know, surround yourself with, with that. Others might say this, embrace the historic rituals and symbols and sacraments and songs. What has stood the test of time? Go for that. Others might say, hey, 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 what you need to do, if you really want to connect with God, get away from everything. Strip your life down to the bare necessities and, and get away with lots of silence and solitude. Others might say, hey, you want to experience the power of God. Get out there and do something. Come on, make a stand for justice and truth and, and get out there and, and make a difference in this world. Take a stand against evil. Others might say, well, yeah, you got to make a difference, but really it's about serving others, coming under and caring for their practical needs, tending to their hearts. Now you might come up with those or, or maybe these. Maybe you've heard people say this. I've seen books that have been written about this. Embracing God as a loving father or bridegroom. If you really want to experience a real relationship with God, then, then look at some of these tender metaphors that he, that he expresses, right? Others would say this. Hey, you want to engage God? Well, get up. Quit sitting in your chair. Let's celebrate. Let's join, let's join in the resurrection. Let's dance. Let's sing and all those things. And others might go, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's emotionalism, Right? <laughs> If you want to encounter God, it's got to be a conscious decision on your part. And you should engage your mind, not just your emotions. And then there's the others. They just go, you know what? You're all wrong. What you need to do is just get outside on a day like this. What are you doing? If you're God's people, worship in his sanctuary. I'm surprised I didn't get an amen because every year I get letters. Why aren't we doing outdoor services, right? Okay. So you ask nine different Christians, how do, how do I have more of what you have? You get nine different answers. What's the best practice? Which of those is the best of the best of the best of the best? You 
guys know where I'm going. You already know the thesis of this series. The best practice for someone else may not be the best practice for you. Scripture presents each individual as a unique individual. We certainly see that in Ephesians. Ephesians 2.10 is a, is a passage that I've, I've looked at. I can't count the number of times we've walked people through this one. It says this, we are God's workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The God who crafted snowflakes as individuals how much more would he craft us as individuals? And this theme is reinforced. Ephesians 4.11 is another passage that I can't even count the number of times that I've brought people here. It was Christ who gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers. There's a gift that God gives to us, this, these, these diverse folks with diverse gifts. So as we start this journey today, I'd, I'd encourage you to write this down. God is the giver of unique talents and temperaments. God is the giver of unique talents and temperaments. And you can just, you don't believe, just ask any parent who has more than one child. Do they come out the same? No, they, they, they don't. There's gonna be some common ground, but, but they're unique. I mean, we've got two very unique girls and we love both of them like crazy. My, my youngest loves soccer. And I love spending time on the pitch. Oh, Cameron's going to be so happy that I used the word pitch instead of field. I, I love time spending time with Andrew on the pitch, the soccer pitch. Well, Aunt Emma does not love soccer. And I love going to the Lochners with Emma on Thursday night farm nights. And we just do farm chores, and we love it. It's, it's different. It's unique. But, but, each, but as a dad, I love that. I love engaging them in their uniqueness. Well, doesn't it seem logical that God who presents himself as Father, who gave us our uniqueness, would also embrace our individuality and meet us there? Now, I, I, there are a handful of books that I recommend that every Christian at least has a working knowledge of. It gives us common language together as people. It, it, it's got good principles. There's one called When Helping Hurts that I think everybody should take a look at at least to get a working knowledge of. Well, there's one that I want to use as a tool to come alongside Ephesians for this series, and it's a book called Spiritual Pathways by Gary Thomas. It's one that I've wanted to look at together as a congregation since the beginning, but we're just now getting to it. Here's a quote from Gary Thomas's book, and I have an insert in your notes that has uh, information about the book there, and I encourage you to, to get a copy. He says this as, he, as he's doing a discussion about God as, as father and human parents and these types of things. He goes, what makes us think God is any different? In fact, for him, wouldn't it seem to be even more so? Meaning, don't you think that God would even be more excited to meet us in our individuality? Because God created these personality types. I just received my children as he designed them, right? Well, if God created us as unique individuals, why should anyone expect that our walk with God should look identical to someone else's walk with God? And in his book, Sacred Pathways, Gary Thomas presents nine different spiritual temperaments. That's what he calls them that he's observed over the years. So let's go back. I say there were nine different ways people could respond. If you ask them, hey, what works for you? That's because there's at least these nine different types, right? So the, using his language, as he describes these temperaments, if you approach a sensate, if we can go back to our um, list there, a sensate might advise you to fill your senses with the greatness of God because that really works for them. 
A traditionalist might advise you to embrace the historic rituals and symbols and sacraments and songs because that really works for them. An aesthetic might advise you seek solitude and seek simplicity because that really works for them. An activist might advise you to take a stand against evil and injustice because that really works for them. A caregiver might advise you go serve others if you want to experience God because that works well for them. Contemplatives might advise you to embrace God as your loving father or bridegroom because that works for them. Enthusiasts might say engage your heart and emotions and body, celebrate, sing, and dance because that works for them. Intellectuals might say engage God with your mind, study, reflect, dig deep because that works for them. And naturalists say go outside because that should work for everybody, right? <laughs> but what works really well for them may or may not work really well for you. It may, and we're going to talk about that next week, that we really, we need to stretch and try some of these things, but it may not work especially well for you. Well, this um, book and, and the, this language is so helpful that Jill took her worship arts team through it, and she put together a little video here where you're, it's just going to be so clear when you're watching these folks that God has not wired us all the same. So let's take a quick little look, and this is just a small sampling. This is just one of our teams, right, our worship arts I feel closest to God when I'm outside and it's quiet and I can just reflect on how great he is and I can see everything that he's done. I feel most connected to God when I'm singing and jumping around and dancing and enjoy the joy and celebration of who God is and the happiness that he gives us. I like the feeling that God loves to know about our joy and that he gives us joy and that He's okay with my crazy dance parties and that he dances with me too. Listening to worship, participating in worship and watching others worship. Yeah, I analyze scripture and um, teachings beyond what I hear. The place where I feel most comfortable and most fully able to experience God is in a place where I can taste, smell, hear, um, just be overwhelmed in all aspects of of my being with what he is and representations of that. So I love symbols and I love um, kind of the, the power behind things and making things really visually impactful or significant in every kind of setting. And I'll always look for that significance in things and kind of draw those ties together, even if they're not obvious to others. Just being outside the up north and the North Shore is one that's good for me. Um, very special memories of family up there too. And there was actually a Jesus Calling um, segment that talked about peace being sown in the garden of your heart. That imagery of a garden and everything just really uh, spoke to me. Like the, a garden that came to mind was uh, Como Conservatory. And then just, you know, what does that look like? And so if I'm feeling anxious or overwhelmed, you know, I can now take that picture of the peace that God planted in the garden of my heart. My spiritual pathway is the intellectual pathway. And I find that I connect with God through learning more about Him and finding new insights about His creation and our place in it. Uh, I have plenty of friends who believe that they would have to abandon their intellectual integrity in order to follow Jesus. But there's really good news. Just because you have questions and you don't have answers to those questions doesn't mean there aren't answers to those questions. I believe that our ability to reason is actually a gift from God. It's a creation and it's evidence that we're created in His image. 
And when I read about scientific discoveries, it's like getting to peek a little behind the curtain and learn more about the creator of our amazing world. I feel, I feel that I connect with God when I'm, I'm able to simplify my life and I'm able to get rid of all of the, the technology and you know, my cell phone and the TV. If I can just quiet everything down and have some true solitude, I feel I can uh, connect with God. Um, and really uh, uh, soak in his, his, his love and, and enjoy his presence. I think of tradition, or when I'm in traditional settings, I'm reminded that this practice like Eucharist or communion or baptism has been done since Jesus was around. These are things that he instituted. And the church has been practicing them for hundreds, even thousands of years. And so when I'm involved in those practices, I'm reminded of God's great family, his global family, his historical family. Um, that creates a deep connection in my heart and in my life to who God is, and it more easily opens up a pathway to worship and adoration of his glory. I feel close to God. I feel like I'm exercising my faith when I have the opportunity to care, whether it's helping people out uh, at work or at church. Uh, you know, definitely that's why I've, I've been drawn a lot to the prayer ministry. Um, I'm volunteering and uh, just doing what I can to help others. I um, connect with God through worshiping His awesomeness, His power, His glory, His grace, His majesty, His wonder, all of those things. That's how I connect to God the best. Um, outside has always been the best spot for me to go, being close to nature, um, watching things that are bigger than yourself, hearing the, the wind rustle through the, the leaves and pine needles, just um, knowing his presence is so big, seeing things like this time of year, as spring is approaching, grow, uh, that you really enjoy coming up out of the ground and you really have little power to make happen. It just puts everything in perspective for me, just that kind of quiet time and revelation through creation. Are we all created the same? No, even in how people approach the question, right? God created us as unique individuals. And there are some of us, we need to have our minds fully engaged if we're going to really connect with God on a deep level. And there's others, they need to have those inspiring focal points for their eyes and their senses if they're really going to engage with God. And there's others, they can't sit still. If you ask them to sit still, you're going to be denying one of the things that brings them alive. And then there's others you can't really worship if you, there's someone sitting next to you who's broken, and you can see that because you feel like, what I got to do, I, how, do I, how can I worship when, when this person needs someone to come alongside and to love them and to care for them? We're, we're not all the same. And at ECC, one of the things that is never, ever, ever going to be a goal is to get everybody to look the same. That's why we got these, these illustrations here behind us because this is not the goal to get everyone to conform to one another, as if I had a shot at that with you anyway, with you guys. Um, that's not the goal. Not only is it impossible, but also you end up making people really grumpy, right? Aren't they the perfect ones for this? When, when, you're, just, when you're just forced to try to conform to one way of doing things, it's going to not create life. It's going gonna, it's gonna to deaden what God wants to do within you. And we'll get to this in, a, in a, a week or two here, but there's some irony that often the people who have the, 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 they're 
experiencing the most grumpiness, they, they want to spread that grumpiness to others, you know, by saying, look at me, you know, my life is grumpy and, and, and all that kind of stuff, and you should be more like me, so quit doing what's bringing you life and joy. It's just, it's, it's, it's not where we want to go. Our goal is to help people recognize and appreciate that God has wired us differently. If our congregation could do that, if we could, if we could come three weeks from now, which is even a better understanding that God has wired us as unique individuals and to value the fact that others don't experience God the way we do, man, that'd be a big win, wouldn't it? All right, well, let's turn a quick corner here. This is an important one, so let's turn this corner. Let's talk about the implications then of personal responsibility with all this, right? Let's talk about that. So I encourage you to write this down. Um, I can't say it more direct than this. You are a steward of your unique talents and temperaments. You're a steward of that. It's a gift that has been given to you, whether it feels like a gift or not. It is a gift that has been given to you, and God calls us to steward that gift well. Now, many of you already know what that means. Many of you could give me a whole lot of lessons on how do you really walk out your faith and grow and, and stretch and become more like Christ. So the, what I'm going to give to some of you right now, this is completely elementary. You're, you're beyond this. But if you're at a place where you're like, come on, I just need to do something. I've got to get a jump start going. This stuff maybe is a little new to me. The, the concepts make sense. I've just never approached my faith like this. Let me be very concrete. Let me give you six quick steps that are quick in the sense I can get them out there pretty fast, but really will take engagement, and it'll, and it'll take some time and, and trial and error. So here are six, and I want to start with this one that I need to spend more time with, and then the rest I'll just whip right through. All right, so here's the first one. If you want to grow in your faith, and you want your faith to come more alive, and you want your pursuit of God to be authentic and really God that you're pursuing and not something else, it starts right here committing to biblical principles before you try to apply best practices. Because if you just try to apply a practice, it may or may not be applied biblically. And if you don't apply it biblically, you're going to set off on a path that you don't want to be on. You may feel like you want to be on because it feels right, it's easy or whatever, but it's going to lead to idolatry. And I don't say that lightly. You're going to see as we get into Ephesians 5 here, that's what the scriptures say. Because you're building a religion around yourself. If you're just like, oh, I'm going to take whatever feels good and, you know, works for me. If you dis disconnect from biblical principles, it is more than problematic. You're creating something that is not authentic Christianity. So let's take a look at this. If we disconnect seeking God from biblical principles, we're setting off a path that will quickly turn into a very slippery slope towards idolatry. So here's Ephesians 5.1. You'll see why I gave the PG-13 disclaimer a little earlier today. Here's what it says. Ephesians chapter 5. In fact, if you have your Bibles, let's open to this one because we're going to be looking at it. Um, and while we're opening up our scriptures, if you have them, I want to let you know if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one free today. You can read a whole lot of books like Sacred Pathways and all that kind of stuff, but the best text for discovering God, it's, it's the scriptures. Here we go. Ephesians 5, uh, starting with verse 1. Let's look at 1 through 4. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all purity or covetedness, it must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking which are out of place, but let there be thanksgiving. 
giving. Now, if we had more time, I'd like to walk through you know, all of these warnings that he gives us and some more. But for, for the sake of time, I just want to zero in on the sexual immorality piece because this is one that has tripped people up from generation to generation. And they, they'll use it as saying, this is me getting closer to God even. You see it, it's, it's taken the form in the past of temple prostitution. It's taken the, 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 the um, form of fertility rites, a host of other practices. Paul says this. He says, if you're authentically going to pursue God, there shouldn't even be a hint that you're stepping outside of God's boundaries in this area. There shouldn't even be a hint that you are, even if it feels like it's bringing you closer to God. I've spoken to countless people. They claim to be followers of Jesus, but they disregard this teaching because what they're doing doesn't feel wrong to them. Some go as far as to say that their sexual behaviors that are outside of God's boundaries draw them closer to God. Friends, whether it's this or any activity, if you're blatantly disregarding God's boundaries, or, and we'll get more into this in the next couple weeks, if you're neglecting things that God says we should do, then we're stepping outside of a sincere pursuit of God. And God calls us out. Look what he says here in, in verse 5. Let's continue verse 5 through 8. For you may be sure of this, Paul writes. And, and if there's anyone that's ever had a close walk with God, right? Paul had one. He says, you may be sure of this. Everyone who's sexually immoral or impure or, because he doesn't just stop there, or if you're covetous, that is an idolater, you have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. That's why if you're going to read Spiritual Pathways or any other book, make sure that you've got that book. If it's telling you how to pursue God, you've got that book and you've got the scriptures. And don't just use the scriptures they tell you to look at because they're generally going to use the scriptures and, that are going to help build their case. And they may be leaving out some really important things or taking it out of context. All right? Uh, where was I? Um, Verse 6, let no, no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partners with them, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you're supposed to be the what? You're supposed to be the light of the world. You were dead, and now you're to be alive. You're to be bringing this light to the world. Jesus goes as far as saying this. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. That's not me saying that. That's not me trying to guilt or shame or whatever. That's Jesus saying, if you love me, if this is sincere, if you are sincerely pursuing me, you'll obey my commandments, even the ones that don't seem to fit with, with what you feel is right. Exactly. exactly. Here, let's take a look at this. Let's put Ephesians 2.10 back up because this scripture can be, when you pull it out of context, it can take you to places that are not biblical. Ephesians 2.10, again, it says, we are God's workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Are we an original masterpiece created by God? Yes. Yes. Does that mean we should then customize our faith like we customize our smartphone? No. It doesn't mean we just then get to pick and choose what works for us. 
in context, Ephesians 2.10, I would encourage you to look at that. If we had more time, we'd do it together, but, but take a look at it. In context, Ephesians 2.10 falls in the middle of a discussion where Paul says, you were once dead in your trespasses. You were dead in your sins. You were walking in darkness, and as a result, you were under the control of the devil. That's not me saying this. That's Paul saying this. You were under the control of the devil. Therefore, you were an object of God's wrath along with the rest of humankind. And then comes this transition. But God, but God who is rich in mercy has chosen to save you by grace through faith so that you can show the world you're his workmanship. You were created in Christ to do good works, which he prepared and created for you to do. So there's my disclaimer. The rest of them are going to come fast. But it, it, it's all grounded in this. Are you willing to submit yourself to the authority of God as he revealed in his word, to that standard of, of, of doctrine and conduct? If not, then forget the rest. Because the rest is then self-help, which is not that helpful, I would argue. So here we go. The rest of them, if you, if you can make that commitment to say, God, I am going to seek you with all my heart and my soul and my mind and my strength. I want to be conformed to your image rather than picking and choosing what I think you should do. Then, then, then here are some great steps in that direction. Get the, order the book, Sacred Pathways. Go to Amazon or go to your bookstore. Order the book. And while it's on its way, in your notes, we have a little test you can take. It's based on the book. And what this will do, will, for those of you who are like, hey, let's go. I, I, got, you know, I don't have a lot of time. What this will do, take the test. And then when the book comes, you can read the chapters that probably will be most helpful for you out of the gate. Right? I'm saving you time here. So order the book. While the book's on its way, take that little test. I've got the link there in your, in your notes. Um, and it's on Facebook. Yeah, it, it's on Facebook. There's a, one of those... Q, QR codes, and we put a QR code in your insert, it's, it's easy access, right? And, and then when you get these results back, recognize this. Recognize this isn't scientific. This isn't, this isn't scriptural the same way the Bible's scriptural. It's just a helpful starting point. It's like a personality inventory, right? It doesn't put you in a little box. It just says, hey, here are some tendencies that you may have, all right? And that brings us to number four. When the book arrives, if you want to save time, I, read the whole thing. It'll be helpful. But if you're in a hurry, read one and two, and then read the ones that match up with you best, and then jump to 12. That will be a great start for you because you'll be filled with all kinds of ideas. It'll give you all kinds of ideas that you can start to apply as we get to number five, as you start to put a simple and doable plan on your calendar. Sorry about the typo. It should be yours. I don't have the spiritual gift of spelling. All right? Put a very simple and doable plan on your calendar. Just start trying some stuff. Jesus said, whoever hears these words and puts them into practice is like a person who built their house. You can have all kinds of good intentions, but what good is it if they're just good intentions? So, so find a simple plan. Just say, I'm going to start trying this. I'm going to go for this activity. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to put it in your calendar. And then number six, you got to keep reworking the plan until it begins to what? Work. Give it a shot. Try some things. If it's working, try more of it. If it's not, try something else. 
Try lots of stuff and find out what's work. And then I added this. You have to rework the plan again when the plan stops working. It's like an exercise, right? You do the same exercise all the time. Eventually, you start to lose some of the benefit. You might need to change things up. So just keep trying stuff until you get to a place where you're like, everybody should try this. Find something in your life that, that's drawing you close to God that you're like, everybody should try this because this works. And then have the Christian maturity to recognize that maybe everybody shouldn't try that, right? Because maybe it works great for you and you can be an advocate for it, but it may not work the same for everybody else. Does that make sense? So those are some thoughts. Again, I, I rarely get this specific when I'm giving things ideas, but I, this book, was, it, it's been a game changer for myself and so many, where it's like permission. Oh, I don't have to do what everyone else is doing, and there's nothing wrong with me if I'm experiencing God in an individual way rather than the same way someone else experienced God. Well, before we close our time together, I just have one more quick challenge that I want to put before you, and that is this. What is it? Here it is, Brother Rick. I love having you. Man, we got to have you come every service. Um, stewarding our unique talents and temperaments doesn't only affect your capacity to grow. It also affects your capacity to what? Give. It, it's not just only about you and, and, and getting a closer, richer walk. It's also going to empower you to be able to share what God wants us to share with other people. Now, for me, one of my things is I need outside time. I need it. And one of the things I've had to put into my plan on my calendar, because it's not going to just open up on its own, I have to schedule time to get away. And one of the things I do is I just myself, and I need to get away myself. And so I, I go up to Covenant Pines, and, and I get a, a room in, in one of the places, and then I just get away, and I just get outside. And I, I, one time I, when I was up there, I sent this text to Laura. I just said, Here, here's what I'm doing right now. You know, I'm sitting at a campfire. And I'm just watching the sun set. Watch the stars come out. And for me, that is so life-giving. I can't begin to tell what happens to me when I'm able to just do this and how I'm able to connect with God in a different way than I can in other settings. But here's where well, this ties into what I just said. How selfish would it be of me to have an experience like this and make it all about me? Does it bring joy to the heart of God that I'm having that moment? Yes. Is it life-giving for me? Yes. And what if this experience that I had would fire something up within me, no pun intended, would fire something up within me so that I would be more motivated to say, how can I help other people experience what it's like to experience God outside? Because think about that. If you're a person who you've got that walk with God, at least in certain moments, imagine being up in the boundary waters and not having that awareness of God. That you go up to the boundary waters to clear your head, but you don't know that there's a God who wants to give you answers, or there's a God who wants to help you in your marriage, or there's a God who wants to help you with your son or your daughter, or who wants to help you with that decision at work, or there's a God that you can rejoice and celebrate with, the creator of all this. You know, imagine how different that life would be for that person. So to have these experiences isn't just about ourselves. It's then also about how could that motivate us and inspire us to help other people have that kind of a thing. 
You know, another example, some of, some of you, you're enthusiasts and you just, boy, you just come alive in a concert that has got awesome worship music. And you could, for hours, literally, you could sing and dance and just let your whole self go. Is that, is God rejoicing for you? Yes. Is it life-giving for you? Yes. And think of all those people who are going to a Beyonce concert. And they're seeing the lights, which are amazing, possibly. Never been to one. They're, they're feeling the, the energy. I'd imagine the energy is off the charts. I would imagine that the, the musicians are, and dancers are some of the best in the world. But what a difference experience that concert is. That's bringing to the surface all kinds of desires and, and thoughts and feelings that are not going to point you to the direction you really want to go that are leading a lot of young people astray and where the object and focus of the attention is a person rather than the God who gave those gifts to that whole team that put that thing together. So if, if you're a person that has that experience in that concert, awesome, soak it in, let it fire you up so that perhaps you could invite someone to experience this new way of looking at an event like that. Does that make sense? And, and lest you think, oh, this Spiritual Pathways book, it's just all about humanism or whatever, Here's what Gary Thomas says in his own book, as, 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 as you can find in his, uh, his book. It says this, the goal here, look at these words, the goal of this, it's not self-actualization or spiritual self-absorption. It is to feed our souls so that we can know God in a new way and we can love him with every cell of our being and then express that love by reaching out to others. That's what we're going to try to do. We're only going to spend two more weeks on this, so I would encourage you, if you can, to, to, to join us as we dig into this. All right? Well, let's pray. Let's dedicate this series to God that he may bless it. Let's pray. God, we are thankful. We're thankful that you created this amazing world that is not filled with clones, that is not filled with, with conformity, leads to uniformity, but rather you have united us in Christ. You've given us your word, and within that there is great freedom to become the people that you've created us to be. We pray that this would be a helpful teaching series for all of us that would help us to experience new life in you, that it would also make us more equipped and better equipped to pass along the joy that we found to others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you'd like to pray about these or anything, we have a group of people that would love to meet you and pray with you about whatever is going on in your life. God bless you. Have an awesome week. Go order the book. <laughs>